welcome to the latest RegBedNet podcast. Today, I'm speaking to Mike Rice, who's the CEO of BioLife Solutions. We'll be talking about why effective biopreservation is critical for the commercialization of regenerative medicine therapies. We'll also be chatting about why private, corporate and public funding for new cell-based therapies remains high. Mike, can you tell us a bit about your career to date and introduce BioLife Sciences? I'd be glad to, Freya. So I started my career working as a biomedical equipment technician back in 1984, and I spent several years at two medical device companies in technical services, sales, and marketing roles. I also had a great learning experience at a real estate IT startup. And I was recruited to lead BioLife in 2006 by two board directors with the challenge to build the company and to commercialize its optimized cell and tissue preservation media products. So after several years with a really strong senior management team and a really special corporate culture, we're in a great position with over 500 customers, and our products are now embedded in nearly 250 customer cell therapy, preclinical validations, and clinical trials. Fantastic. So it sounds like you've had quite a varied career with lots of different challenges, but what specific challenges are there in developing regenerative medicine therapies? It's a great question, Priya. So biologic-based medicine, specifically therapies based on infusion or injection of living cells in patients to treat large disease states such as cancer, vision loss, diabetes, stroke, etc., they pose unique challenges related to the need for effective preservation of the starting or the source material and the manufactured cell products. Dead cells don't cure cancer, and cell-based therapies are much more sensitive to physical and environmental stresses than other biologics. If not mitigated, these stresses can limit or prevent a therapeutic response in the patient. So why is biopreservation, biobanking, and cold chain management so important in these therapies? Well, it all starts with removal of the source material from the patient or the donor. This could be an apheresis collection, bone marrow aspirate, umbilical cord blood or cord tissue, or a muscle biopsy. You know, it's the same concept as with organ donation. Once outside the body's normal thermic and nutrient environment, aggregation and eventual death will occur. So hypothermic or cryogenic storage and shipping are used to reduce metabolism. And this literally buys some time to enable shipment to a processing lab, a cell therapy CMO, or a regen med company's factory. So maximizing yield and extending the shelf life of the source material should be a goal of every regen med company. Higher source uh, material yield and manufactured product yield uh, can reduce costs and ultimately improve care. So likewise, employing you know best practices in cold chain management and logistics for the final manufactured cell product uh, that focus on increasing yield and extending the shelf life for the stability, uh, again, has a, a cost impact and can achieve a desired therapeutic effect with fewer cells so the variable cost per dose can go down. And with good biopreservation, good cold chain, more cells actually arrive alive and intact and they can recover from the preservation and shipping interval. So biopreservation applied to cell therapies is really a, it's a system of complementary components that work together to maximize yield and extend stability throughout this vein-to-vein workflow that we know so much about now. And our value add is about providing optimized clinical-grade biopreservation media marketed as cryostore and hypothermosol, which have been now broadly adopted by 
including Cartiso and other cell therapy manufacturers. But for the last two years, we've also been educating the region med space on the need for improved shipping containers and enhanced data collection and analysis. And we've done this by marketing the cloud-connected Evo Smart Shipper, that's EVO Smart Shipper, and the related biologistics cold chain management software as a service. Designed by our joint venture partner, Sasu Technologies, the Evo represents cold chain 2.0 and it's bringing IoT connectivity and big data to this market segment. Fantastic, thank you. Now, are there any new products or technologies that BioLife Solutions is currently working on that you could tell us about? Yeah, right on, I'm glad to. So working with SAFSU through our biologistics joint venture, we're continuing to add new features to our biologistics cold chain app. This is a really disruptive integrated app that our customers use to pack, ship, and track critical shipments with payload temperature and location monitoring and a set of actionable alerts that keep, st uh, keep stakeholders in the clinical delivery workflow updated so they can be alerted on exceptions and also about delivery and remaining shelf life. So we can help customers provide assurance that time and temperature sensitive cell therapies have been maintained and delivered within the validated temperature and stability profile. And this is really crucial as cell therapy manufacturers you know, will be required to comply with the Drug Supply Chain Security Act, which mandates documenting chain of identity and chain of custody. Great. Now, in the future, do you think that investment in regenerative medicine technologies will continue to grow? Sorry, I am optimistic. You know, the Alliance for Regenerative Medicine reported in their Q3 2016 uh, data report that total private, corporate, and public investment selling gene therapy and tissue engineering companies reached three and a half billion dollars. Wow. And 2017, yeah, and 2017 is shaping up to be an inflection year uh, for the space. You know, with several BLA submittals planned and potential approvals for Kite and some other initial CAR T cell therapies. And I think that the uh, the remarkable therapeutic effectiveness of CAR T cell therapies in blood cancers and now in solid tumors is driving investment and overall interest in the space, and that's good for all the participants. Absolutely. So we're going to have the investment, but what obstacles are there in bringing these therapies to clinic? Oh, there are several. So, you know, top of mind would be funding and then the efficient use of funding. So late-stage cell therapy companies are rightly focused on the following five things to me. It's scale of manufacturing, regulatory compliance, a secure supply chain, effective cold chain management, and clear data-driven reimbursement strategies. And a failure in any one of these areas would be catastrophic. So specific to cold chain and how we can help, I really believe that regulators and payers over time can begin to exert some pressure on our customers and participants in the space to move away from you know, the use of these homebrew preservation media products and beer coolers to ship cells and data loggers that aren't cloud connected toward the use of optimized media products like cryostore and hypothermosol and the use of precision thermal shipping containers with integrated data management like Evo and Biologistics. And we're really intent on disrupting this cold chain model and moving the space to a cloud ecosystem. And why? Because we think the benefits are that integrated data can be used to improve manufacturing, distribution, and ultimately patient care and outcomes. Great. And finally, what key areas or diseases do you think that regenerative medicine research will focus on in 2017? Well, I think 
for sure, I think we'll see a lot of data on the use of CAR T cell therapies in blood cancers and solid tumors. And, you know, there are also several late-stage companies targeting knee osteoarthritis, stress incontinence, and several genetic disorders. So I think 2017 is going to be a really exciting year. Unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. But thank you very much to Mike for joining us. Don't forget to visit regmednet.com for the latest news and views on regenerative medicine, including more about the importance of effective biopreservation. We'd love to hear what you thought about this podcast, which you can do by leaving a comment on regmednet.com, tweeting at regmednet, or leaving a message on Facebook and LinkedIn. Please join me again soon.